Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast, where we discuss everything and anything about running an online store. If you like the podcast, sign up for the mailing list to get news and updates at buildmyonlinestore.com. And now, here's your host, Terry Lynn. Welcome to episode 22 of the Build My Online Show podcast. I'm your host, Terry. And this week, I have Brendan Tully from the Search Engine Shop, who runs a digital consultancy in Australia where they do internet marketing services, workshops, and web design for various clients. And one of their big clients is an e-commerce and retail business called Digidrew Breath. And so this is an instrument that's native to Australia, and they run the number one store online and probably the biggest store in Australia. So I wanted to get his view on e-commerce from a consultant's angle and what store owners can do to get more sales kind of from a different angle uh, outside the industry. And if you're just getting new into e-commerce, we'll be hosting an online workshop on how to pick a market on the week of December 18th. It's with Andrew at ecommercefuel.com, who also was on the show in episode 14. You know, Andrew runs a million dollar dropshipping business uh, called CB Radios. And so we'll go over the key elements of picking a right market to enter, uh, some business fundamentals, and also uh, some Q&A. So if that's something you're interested in, sign up for the mailing list. We'll put out more updates through that channel. Also, if you enjoyed the show, leave us a iTunes review. It'll help boost our rankings and get new listeners. So with that being said, let's get on to today's show. All right, today I have Brendan Tully from the Surgeon Shop with their digital consultancy in Australia. What's up, Brendan? How you going, man? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good, good. I wanted to get you on the show just to see uh, how a consultant works with the e-commerce business, kind of from your angle. Because I interview a lot of store owners, it kind of gets bland, so I wanted to bring a different angle onto this show. So, uh, kind of what's the story behind Surgeon Shop and kind of how do you help your clients? We're about four years old, so four and a half years old now, I think. And when we started out, it was purely SEO about getting more traffic, getting more hits, ranking higher, that sort of stuff. And that only took the business so far. So over time, it kind of evolved and I started doing AdWords stuff. And then, you know, you start looking at conversion stuff. And now we've kind of evolved completely where there's five separate areas we work with people on. So our goal isn't really to get people more hits or more traffic or rank higher. Our goal is to get people more customers help them sell more and help them you know help their business be more profitable basically so it's kind of moved from you know traditional seo firm to more of a consultancy and almost falling into you know a business consultancy kind of area i guess seo is only one aspect of online business right and you just kind of have to move up the value chain as you get bigger yeah exactly and you know you can only go so far there's only so much you can do with traffic and that's only one traffic source as well in our model of doing business or our consulting model there's five separate areas so traffic is actually only one of them and then seo is only one type of traffic you can get so from our perspective from building the business we can only go so far with seo and it was kind of frustrating that we could help people get traffic but we could see that their real goal was getting more you know making more sales or getting more customers and there were other things in the way that were stopping that it wasn't that it was a traffic problem i see and so who are the main client groups that you guys help out with um so it's evolved over time so there's probably four or five different groups we work with so one is kind of bigger marketing departments in bigger corporate companies where they need some online or specific technical skills. We do a lot with dental and medical practices as well. And then from an e-commerce perspective, generally only work with established e-commerce businesses 
um, no longer take on brand new e-commerce businesses because it's so much work to build an online store from scratch. And I think particularly in the last couple of years, a lot of people get into it and think it's a quick way to make money. And one thing I, I think I've talked to this before is that a lot of people confuse the website as being the business and it's not that, you know, a website is a part of the business. So a lot of people make that mistake that if they can just get more traffic to the website, they'll have a successful business and that's never the case. So what are some fundamental issues you've seen that e-commerce business owners miss besides this? So I guess equating traffic with, with success is the biggest one because you're getting traffic doesn't mean you're going to sell stuff. So it's kind of, it's not the magic bullet or the holy grail being number one or ranking high or getting a lot of hits. So that's a big one. And the other one is treating it as a website instead of a, a fully-fledged business. Today, very different. You know, there's so many competitors. You're competing with Amazon. You're competing with eBay. You really have to be very sharp from a business perspective if you're going to stand out and last long-term. If traffic isn't, you know, the one-all, be-all, the problems, what's the diagnostic framework you take uh, when a client comes to you with this problem? So in our consulting model, so we have a pyramid model, right? And five, five segments of the pyramid um, are the business fundamentals and the business plan. So, you know, broadly, that's, can I sell this product at a profit? Does the business scale? So, you know, it's easy as a, a sideline thing for a business to make money, but as it scales, does it actually make money? Does it make sense? You know, from a, just a business fundamental kind of perspective, is it unique in the market? You know, is Amazon going to come along and squash you? So we won't take on a client that doesn't have strong, I guess, a business foundation or business fundamentals um, and isn't commercially mature like that, you know, they understand the basics of business and marketing where you spend a dollar and, you know, if your marketing works well, you make $2. So kind of fundamentals is at the bottom of the pyramid. The next one is technology. And, you know, this is simple things from having the right CMS to more advanced things like live chat tools, email hosting, all sorts of things. So making sure clients have the right technology in place. And, you know, some great examples where technology can limit people is if, for example, the CMS doesn't support Google Shopping or the Google Merchant Center, that's going to be a real problem because that's a you know, major source of traffic. So if that technology piece isn't right or isn't optimal, we look at fixing that. So one thing we do a lot of is moving clients from an old legacy CMS that might be five years old and it worked great at the time, but it, you know, it no longer supports newer SEO features like rich snippets or like Google Shopping, or it doesn't support something like tracking e-commerce conversions inside analytics. So we'll move them up. Say, for example, WordPress and WooCommerce. So that you know, that's the technology layer. And then the other, the other three are looking at traffic. So obviously, getting more visitors to the site and better quality visitors. Conversion, selling more stuff, getting more opt-ins, whatever the actual conversion is, getting people to take the action we want them to take. And then trust and relationship. You know, that's where things like social media, email marketing come into play. How the, how you know your market perceives you, how what the relationship is like with your market and your customer base. So that's the five. So business plan, technology, traffic conversion, trust and relationship. Yeah, and I think the base you talked about just being profitable if it scales is a big point because if you're selling like toys for like six dollars and you're making, you know, a dollar each, really scaling that just doesn't really make much sense. You're gonna have to sell a lot of six dollar toys or seven dollar toys to actually make real money. Whereas you know, you sell a two hundred dollar product and that has a hundred dollars margin. That's a very very different business. You're not gonna have to sell as much volume to you know make money and be a profitable business. Yeah, exactly. And it's almost counterintuitive because when you sell a two hundred dollar product, it's almost less work, but you're kind of doing the same thing too online. So exactly. And so you touched about Google Shopping and Google Merchant Center. For those who aren't familiar with it, what are, why are these two so important? The Google Merchant Center is the, the Google product. It drives the, the portion of the Google search results where it displays 
product image, product details, and a price in the search results. And there's actually two components to it now. There's the organic Google shopping results, and then there's the paid product display ads. Uh, The organic results are being phased out, but they still work in a lot of countries. And why it's key is because when Google decides it's a buying term, you know, buy a MacBook Air online, it's actually show shopping results so it'll show the line of apple macbook notebooks and it'll show the price and where you can buy them from so if you don't have support for google shopping you just can't show up in those shopping results and google is prioritizing those when you know it it is a buying search term you're using this is actually a really quick win then and i mean in the states the organic google shopping results are being phased out so it's moving to a paid model but it's still display ads are still a lot cheaper than traditional adwords so you're talking you know anywhere 10 cents in traditional AdWords, you know, you could be paying $5, $10 a click for a lot of terms. I'm based in Sydney, so the organic search results still work perfectly. It's free traffic, basically. Yeah, and so you talked about kind of search moving to the paid model. In the long term, when you look at, say, SEO versus pay-per-click, uh, what are your thoughts on kind of the long-term kind of aspect of each approach to getting traffic? I think you need a strategy for both. When I first started out, I was very militant and it was organic traffic all the way. AdWords, I was one of those guys that was so against it. Why would you pay for traffic when you know you can get it for free? But you're only getting half of the pie focused on organic traffic. So I think you really need a strategy for both long term. And SEO has changed a lot. It really is about providing valuable content. So the people who are going to win long term in SEO are the people who have sites that have value, their authority sites, and people will naturally link to that sort of stuff. So if you focus on a content strategy, so for a lot of our clients, we have a content strategy and that is the SEO strategy. It's putting out regular content, good quality content that you know suits their marketplace. Yeah. And the other side is you see Google putting more and more of the full putting more than like paid advertisements too, right? So it's like, ah. <laughs> hey, no one really talks about the above and below the fold on mobile devices. So if you do a search iPhone, almost all the results above the fold are paid results. So, you know, there'll be a tiny little sliver, maybe 10% of the screen are organic search results. So a lot of people don't realize, you know, if someone's searching on a tablet or searching a phone, it's mostly paid results they see. I think it's really key to have a paid strategy as well as an organic strategy. Yeah, and it's interesting, you notice like online marketing now, there's no like one silver bullet, whereas maybe like 10 years ago is a little different. Yeah, there's so many traffic sources and people, you know, it's all about getting in front of eyeballs and people are in a lot of different places these days. It's not just Google, you know, people on Facebook, they're on Pinterest, Twitter, they're all over the place. So Yeah, exactly. All right. So one of the businesses you help with is uh, Digidoo Breath. Kind of, so what is a Digidoo, if, I, if I'm even saying this right? A Digidoo is a, um, an Australian wind instrument. So it's one of the oldest woodwind instruments in the world. So Digidoo Breath is a, it's a retail Digidoo store based in Australia and it also has an online Digidoo store that ships Digidoo's and related products worldwide and we actually use it as an example in a lot of the business workshops we do because it kind of covers a lot of different bases you know it covers kind of the retail kind of website market and it also covers the online you know e-commerce store that ships everywhere in the world so we work with them for a long time and they've seen great results and so they're the number one digital store i see in australia now right? i did like a test search and yeah so they rank for thousands of terms so i think they're number one and number two for most search terms that contain didgeridoo particularly i know they are in australia and in the us and down a bit but they are the biggest didgeridoo store in the world as well so i see so where were they before uh, you brought them on board as a client kind of just to give everyone a perspective on how they've grown before they came along they were relatively well all their line and it was at festivals and via word of mouth 
Um, and it's been interesting. I think we've been working with them for three years now, roughly. And as their online marketing has got better and better and the rank has gone up, a lot of the competitors are now copying them to the point where some of the competitors actually switched their CMS to the same CMS that copying is exactly like the campaign and the strategy exactly. So it's been interesting and it's actually been it's been difficult over the last eight months because the competitors are copying everything and you kind of run out of a strategy to stay ahead so one of the things we've been working with the guys there on is our new strategies to kind of keep that market leadership happening because you know once the competitors catch up then you know the gap narrows and you know that can hurt the business and one of the things that i guess small business owners find is that you know you find out you have to do all this stuff you have to do content marketing you have to do seo did you find it hard to kind of tell them that hey this is what you need to do to really make it big online no actually so one of the guys in the store one of the, the guys who owns the store is uh, a commercial photographer. So it was actually really easy. And they'd already done a lot of video stuff as well. So they were really comfortable breaking out the camera and taking product shots, taking videos with the products. So that made my job you know, infinitely easier because you have all this good quality video that you know you can put up to YouTube, create blog articles out of, syndicate across the web. So they were kind of already doing a content strategy. It just you know it didn't have you know that online marketing expertise integrated with it. So I guess one of the things as a consultant is you want to find clients who actually get it, right? You don't want to like educate them and then have to go through this whole process. So you know a lot of the stuff the client has to do or it's part of the business or you know you can do Facebook post on behalf of the client but it's not the voice of the business it really particularly with a social media strategy it really needs to be the voice of, of the business or the business owner or you know that sort of persona they're projecting and it's hard as an outside consultant to be that person it's very hard to have that persona and just getting clients in the right mindset to understand that you know they need to do some of this stuff and they need to be really consistent about it it needs to be if they be successful online it needs to be a priority it's not something that they get to friday afternoon and they think oh yeah you know i haven't done that for another week so it needs to be front and center, you know everything's going online so it really does need to be a priority yeah okay and so there's a lot of talk about how important content marketing is and so i know digital breath they also have a website where they teach people how to play the instrument though what was the process of building this side kind of of the other of the business. So Didgeridoo Dojo is a second website. So it's a different brand, but it's part of a business that teaches people to play the Didgeridoo online. It kind of grew organically. The guys were kind of doing some videos in the store with it. You know, they'd flip out the iPhone and explain a technique very quickly on the Didgeridoo. And one of the things that started to come up after they had 10 or 15 of these videos was that there's a lot of people around the world who play the didgeridoo but it's a you know it's not a very common instrument so people outside australia really struggle to get good quality training and you know find other people to play with so the question started being asked you know can you guys do skype training you know do you know anywhere local where i can kind of learn the didgeridoo that drove the whole idea of building the didgeridoo dojo website it's been a huge success so it's I think it's 14 months old now since it launched and it has more than 4,000 users now, which is crazy. Like for this internet that most people have never even heard of outside of Australia. Yeah. And so, you know, content marketing obviously adds value to your customers, but how, what are some ways you measure the ROI of something like the Dojo? I guess the number one way is if you have a look at the customer testimonials page and it's just straight away, it's evident that people love that sort of stuff and it just draws them back to the business. And they feel like they know the guys in the shop as well. Like they, they really connect with the personality. You get that, you know, you listen to people's podcasts and you feel like you know them. So it's an easy way to build trust with an audience, having good quality content that really resonates with them. So 
I, I guess once they have that trust, they're predisposed to buying from you or doing business with you. And so, uh, let's talk. Do you do social media for Digidrew also? We do the technical stuff. Like, we've shied away from doing the actual work of the posting and that sort of stuff. So, we'll set up, you know, Facebook pages or we'll link things together or make WordPress auto post here and there. But we really try and push clients into doing the social media stuff themselves. It just We've tried it before where we've managed it and done all the posting and it just doesn't come, come off as authentic and it, you can see it in the, the results when we have done it in the past for clients. You can just see the stats slightly decline and the engagement rate drop off. So I think that comes back to it needs to be the personality of the business that drives the social media element. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say because sometimes when you see a business post as themselves, you can tell... I guess the owner actually typing the stuff, but when it's someone outsourced, you can just tell it looks very kind of like corporate, very bland, and it's just like, oh, it's just another post. Or it just, it doesn't, it's hard to put your finger on what it is, but it just doesn't feel right, it doesn't sit right. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's go into a little bit about YouTube, a little bit about video marketing. Uh, do you have any kind of tips you have for business owners that are you know looking into video marketing but aren't sure about it yet? Yeah, particularly for the e-commerce stuff with Didgeridoo Dojo, we went through maybe a year ago and made sure almost every product had a video that went with it. And you can just see it in the straightaway analytics. Once we'd done that exercise, like there was a lot of pages that were actually missing video. So once we'd done that exercise of making sure that the videos the guys had already made were linked into the product page or embedded in the product page, we actually saw the conversion rate go up. And how, how, what kind of what ballpark range did the conversion rates go up by? Particularly for the more expensive products, that's where it seemed to really help the conversion rate, where people needed to see the product or you know get more information about it before making a buying decision. Um, and for them, because almost all the instruments are unique, it saves a lot of time with the guys on the phone explaining what sound it makes or what it looks like or how it feels. You know, if there's a five-minute video where people can hear it, see it, and one of the guys is playing it makes a huge difference in terms of, you know, selling product. Yeah, really these days, I guess the image is not enough. Even like three or four images, it's just because every website has it, right? Like, you know, different people have different modalities. Some people like to read, some people like to listen, some people like to watch. So, and, you know, on their website, every do has a sound sample. Most of them have videos and then they'll have a little description about what it's made out of or, you know, the didgeridoo maker or, or whatever background. It. So covered all bases there, pretty much. All right, and so let's go back to a little bit about SEO. So you mentioned, you know, SEO is really about creating great content. Now, is this the way you still see it going forward in the next few years? Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a funny one with SEO. We explain to our clients all the time. You know, they want to rank for all these different search terms and get all this traffic. And the reality is, if you want to rank for a keyword, you really need a page on the website that you know talks to those keywords or it's about that topic. And I think at the, at the fundamental level, that's what a lot lot of content marketing is about. It, you know, creating content so you will actually rank for those search terms. The way Google works, it wants to you know, bring up the most relevant, high quality results. So the high quality stuff on your website, the more relevant it is, naturally it's just going to rank high. I mean, certainly grey hat ways and black hat ways of doing SEO, but if you want purely, you know, a strategy that's going to work on the long term, you know, the content stuff is is really going to work if you put the time and effort into it. Yeah, I see. And it's not like, you know, kind of like a niche site where if it bombs, you can just start a new one, right? This is like an e-commerce site, you have inventory. And- <laughs> you know, we're not talking about an AdSense site that's making 50 bucks a month. We're talking about, you know, businesses that potentially doing millions of dollars a year in revenue. Yeah, exactly. All right. And so, uh, you know, what are some conversion kind of quick wins that you've found uh, in your consulting career for e-commerce stores? And particularly if you're uh, using Magento as your CMS platform, every single 
one of our Magento clients, swapping the default Magento checkout for a one-page checkout, in most cases, doubles the conversion rate instantly. I mean, you have a single page and all the, you know, there's minimal amount of fields to answer instead of going through several steps to check out. So that would be a big one, having a really simple one-page checkout, really big conversion win. What else do we have? Abandoned cart emails. So if someone fills up a cart on your store, having the system auto email them, you know, within an hour or 90 minutes, simple email, hey, we saw you put together a cart on the website but didn't check out. Do you need any more information? What can we help with? Here's our number. Here's our email address. Let us know. And that's a huge one, particularly because people get distracted. They walk away. But often it's things like shipping costs they didn't like or they're comparing with another store and didn't like the price. So, kind of gives you a second chance to make that sale and often it is shipping where someone doesn't want to pay 20 bucks for shipping and you know you can give them the free shipping coupon or whatever and make that sale so that's an easy one as well and it's easily systemized so you set up once and it just works um and the live chat so um the tool called snap engage which is a live chat tool um but it has this feature called proactive chat where if someone, you can set it up so if someone comes to the website and performs a set number of actions, if they look at more than two pages or they're on the website for more than a minute, you can actually, it's a small pop-up in the bottom right-hand corner, you know, prompt them, do they want to chat? So we have that on our website. Um, and if, I think if, it's, if you're on there for more than 45 seconds, it'll prompt you and say, hey, saw you browsing the website anything we can help with. And that's a really good way to, you know, answer people's questions. A lot of people looking for information they can't find. So, you know, you could set it. So, you know, if they look at more than four pages on the website, it prompts them for chat. Um, But it's a really good way of interacting with the visitors and particularly answering questions and then using that information to build better content on the website. So you kind of win in a couple of different places. Yeah, that's helpful because then they're already looking for information. You can just cut in and kind of offer like a live service. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so how does that work? Does it go to your mobile phone or like your desktop or like what if you're like out watching a movie? Or- Snap Engage integrates with a few different chat clients. So we have, a, we have clients use it with Skype. So you can have multiple people that it goes to, so multiple Skype accounts, and it will only work when Skype is online. So if someone's away from their computer for a few minutes and Skype goes to away mode, then the live chat won't work. If you know, Skype's offline, if they're not logged in, then the function doesn't work at all. So it's actually really good. Even if you're only in front of the computer for a couple of hours a day, you log in on Skype, then the live chat will work for those three hours or whatever it is. So it's really good in that way, particularly you know, if you're a busy business owner, you, you know, might not be sitting in front of the computer all day long. So Yeah, it's almost like when you walk into like a bricks and mortar shop and you have a salesperson saying, oh, do you need help? It's basically ported online now. Yeah, okay. And so let's move on to about the mobile site for Digidrew. Did you guys help them out with this aspect of the business? We did. So the CMS supports a mobile website experience and we tested that. So we tested that for a couple of months and found the engagement rates and the traffic stats went the wrong way. So we turned it off. And there's probably a few reasons for that, but the primary one is because they have a lot of good quality content. So we, like I said, every product has video and some of them have sound samples and a one thing that I'm really heavy on with all of my clients is really good quality commercial photography. Um, and one thing we say, if you have the, the option, and when we build new um, websites for clients, we will have them spend more money on commercial photography and spend you know, less money or do a more simple design and it will you know, result in a stronger website. So because I think the mobile website didn't work for Didgeridoo Breath because high quality photography video sound didn't work well in that mobile experience. It actually worked better in the full version of the website. 
Let's say mobile commerce is growing, but are a lot of people actually buying in their case on Digidrew? Not from a, a mobile device. I think mobile commerce can work for some type of businesses where people who are looking for those businesses are on the road or are mobile. But where it's a, particularly if it's a more expensive purchase, you know, if someone's buying a thousand or two thousand dollar product, they're probably going to do it in front of a PC or a tablet. They're not going to really do it on a smartphone unless they're really pushed or in some sort of weird scenario. Yeah, I know. It's because it feels like something like. You know, like toilet paper, I would just buy it online on Amazon on my phone. I wouldn't really care where I bought it, right? But if it was like a, you know, like a new screen or a computer, I'd think about it some more. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a lot of hype around mobile marketing, like there was a lot of hype around social media three or four years ago. I think it's a new thing to sell mobile websites and mobile capabilities. So it's being a bit overhyped more than, you know, what it actually can really do for a business. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right because I was talking to a guy at Shopify yesterday and he was saying in North America, all the retail sales, only about 10% is e-commerce. So, I mean, if the pie is so small there, look, you think about mobile, it's even smaller. So exactly. well, One thing we say to clients, if you are thinking about a mobile website, you can go into Google Analytics and actually see how many mobile visitors you're getting. So in a lot of cases, 5% of the traffic is mobile traffic. That's not very much. And you know, investing thousands in a mobile version of the website is not a good you know, investment of cash. Yeah. So what percent would you say is worth to someone to invest in a mobile version? Um, hard to say. I think it's important to look at the type of business. So <clears throat> we have clients where mobile traffic is 50% of the business or 50% of um, the total traffic, sorry. And in that sort of scenario, it's worth having the conversation to say, you know, is a mobile site worth it? Is it going to enhance the user experience? Are they, you know, if it was a coffee shop, they're getting a lot of mobile traffic, you know, that's potentially people on the road looking for a coffee shop. And that kind of makes sense to have a mobile optimized version of the website. But I think it really needs to be a specific decision. I, I think it's very hard to say broadly that a mobile website does or doesn't work. But I think in the e-commerce space, I'd be very hesitant about investing money there where you could invest money in other places they are going to have a better return. Yeah, I agree. Because you see all these sites that say, oh, you need a mobile site, mobile site. But you know, I'm always skeptical when I see these articles because it's always so hypey. It's like the social media thing you talked about. No, it's, it's, being, you know, it's the new magic bullet having a mobile web. Yeah, exactly. All right. And so let's go a little bit old school a bit. So email marketing, does uh, Digidoo, uh, do they still use this? or? Yeah thousands of people on the list it definitely pays for itself when we do a monthly mail out put it that way um and it's really you can see in google analytics the traffic doubles or triples and the sales go up significantly for the week after doing the email marketing it's just a no-brainer and i before doing social media stuff you should be doing email marketing more people have an email account than you know facebook or twitter users or whatever and to be on Twitter or Facebook, you need an email account. So it kind of makes sense that you're hitting people there first before looking at these other channels. Yeah, and everyone checks their email too, so it makes sense. But what type of content do they use in their email marketing? So they have like they have a lot of new stock. Some of their stock is rare and some of the, the types of interest instruments they get are very hard to get. So that's one thing, you know, new stock or unique stock or limited stock. They do a lot of events there, so you know, they're promoting events and just general news in the industry that would be useful their customers like. You know, there's two or three main things in the mail out and then there might be three or four minor bullet points that might just be a one-liner. Hey, check out this. We got this new whatever in stock, that sort of thing. I see. So it's separate from the content that's on the blog or the website. Right? Summarized version of, you know, they might do five blog articles in a month. So it might be, you know, one 
article might be a main part of the, the newsletter and then there might be a couple of smaller bullet point links to the other blog articles. So, so wrapping up, you know, what are some challenges you see kind of business owners facing as you go into 2013? Well, a lot of people are going to struggle at the business fundamentals layer and competition is only hotting up. So there's a lot more people entering the market. People like Amazon and eBay are super aggressive. So it's really important to have a USP and be unique and a reason for people to do business with you versus going across to Amazon. So from a long-term perspective, I think if you can't answer some questions around why people should buy from you off Amazon, why they should buy from you if you know, your prices are higher than somewhere else, then I think as a long-term business proposition, you're going to struggle. So I think really coming back to those core business fundamentals, knowing your target market, knowing your USP really drives the success of the rest of the business. Okay, and so for business owners that are looking to maybe hire a consultant like you, what are some tips they should be looking into before they hire someone? We have a lot of people coming to us who want more hits that they want to rank higher. And that's really not the outcome they want. They want to get more customers or you know, in some cases, they desperately need more customers. Communicating what the end result you want from a consultant or with someone you're working externally really is key to getting that result. Don't assume they know what you're chasing. If you go to someone asking for more traffic, they'll probably give you more traffic as opposed to having a discussion with them, hey, we need more customers. And then they'll look at the website or the business more broadly and you'll probably get a better result. So... Yeah, I think that's probably the number one thing. Uh, how do you handle these difficult conversations where, you know, if a client says, I want more traffic, but it's actually like a business fundamental problem, kind of how do you approach them with this without, you know, kind of making them go ballistic? Or- yeah, it's a, in a lot of cases, people already have heaps of traffic. Um, that's usually not the problem, particularly if it's an established business. So we have a diagnostic tool and I can share that with you. You can share it with the listeners if you like. And a lot of business owners have never been asked these things. So it really kind of makes them think and it shifts, it kind of reframes their thinking. So it's not a hard conversation for me to have because, you know, it's like a light bulb goes on in their head. That they realize that actually it's not more traffic. We just want more customers. And there's a lot of easier ways than ranking number one in the search engines to get more customers. And so it's a matter of actually just making them realize it themselves instead of you telling them. <laughs> That's what it boils down to, basically. Yeah, okay, very cool. All right, so where can we find you online if you want to kind of follow what you do or maybe want to get in touch? Get in touch, just uh, you can find me at thesearchengineshop.com. All right, very cool. And uh, do you have a Twitter handle we can follow you at? Probably so T-U-L-L-I-B-O. All right, awesome. Thank you so much, Brendan. I think that's it. All right, thanks, man. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast.